Running a pet business is no walk in the park. I've been there, done that, and sure have the campfire stories to prove it. That's why Pet Boss Nation created Camp Pet Boss, where you can relax at a beautiful lake, refuel your leadership confidence with our in-person activities, and reignite your passion for the pet business of your dreams with your pet industry peers and trusted experts. Camp Pet Boss is a one-of-a-kind business retreat that mixes conference learning sessions and camp-like activities for pet professionals and their dogs. When was the last time that you got away from your business, unplugged from the chaos, and reconnected with your inner entrepreneurial spirit? And I hope that you heard me, that your furry best friend could be there too. Get ready for the most amazing and unique in-person adventure for pet business owners and their dogs, happening this summer in Lake Delton, Wisconsin, August 27th through the 30th of 2024. Tickets will sell out, and one building is already booked solid, So I want you to hit pause on this podcast and visit camppetboss.com right now to make sure that you have a room reserved. Your ticket price includes all food, lodging, and seminars. Need another reason to secure your ticket early? How about a massive discount of savings of $850 off your ticket? That's right. Early bird pricing is happening right now, but not for much longer. And I can't wait to hang out with you at camp this summer and share all those juicy pet boss stories around the campfire. Have you ever tried working with your local rescue and it just didn't go as planned? Or maybe you're not satisfied with the rescue relationship because it seems like you care more than they do. If you answered, heck yes, Candace, how did you know? Then this is a must listen to episode for you. And even if you already support your local community in a very charitable way on the regular and everything is perfect, I know you're going to love what my guest has to say. Allison Schwartz, co-owner of All Pets Considered in Greensboro, North Carolina, joins me today to cover the topic of maximizing your pet business partnerships with rescues. She's my go-to person on this topic because even though she spends her time running a multi-location pet supply store with grooming and self-wash, she also runs a very successful rescue, Doxy by Proxy. This Pet Boss Club member shares her Southern heart with you in so many amazing ways and drops some real marketing genius. You're going to want to save this episode and listen twice. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Boss Your Business podcast, the show for the local pet business owner. If you have a physical building, carry inventory, have a team, or dream of having one someday, then this podcast is for you. You'll hear honest conversations from pet pros work in the streets of Main Street, where dog business is big business. I'm your show host, Candice Daniolo, the founder of Pet Boss Nation and a pet business coach. I've started, scaled, and sold three successful pet businesses and now help mentor thousands of pet professionals to see success faster together. I'm sharing my favorite business tips with you mixed with the latest secrets of what's working now, especially in this challenging world. So if you're a pet supply store, grooming salon, dog daycare, boarding facility, pet sitter, dog trainer, or really anyone covered in fur, Let's get started. Welcome to the Boss Your Business podcast, Allison Schwartz from All Pets Considered. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to do this. You've been a longtime Pet Boss Club member and now a Pet Boss All-Star leading our community while I was away on my maternity leave. Thank you very much for doing so. 
Yeah, it's been fun. I love Pet Boss Club and I love, you know, sharing experience, getting other people's experience. It's what it's all about. What I love about the conversation we're going to have today is that I think it really ties into one of your strengths, which is events and marketing for sure. But it also plays into a passion of yours and that's rescue. In the pet industry, it's a natural combination, right? You've got this pet business. And so it's a natural fit, you'd think, to align with the local dog rescue or you know anything that revolves around charity for pets. But oftentimes that relationship actually isn't as seamless or as easy as I think us entrepreneurs want it to be, right? Right. It can be a hard bridge to build. I would Yes. Say. A hard bridge to build. And so what I love about what we're going to talk about today, even though I know we could talk about a gazillion different things <laughs> on today's episode, it is about how pet businesses can partner more with their local rescues or, you know, insert charity. It doesn't necessarily have to be a pet related thing. Cause I think the principles and things we are going to share will relate no matter what the organization is that you're going to work with. But Before we dive into all of that, I would love for you to tell everybody about All Pets Considered first. Okay. I am with All Pets Considered. And the irony of all of this is that, right, I started in rescue before I started in pet retail. I came at the pet industry from a rescue perspective before I came from a retail perspective. Rescue is what brought me into All Pets Considered as just an employee at first. I was friends with the owner and thought this would be a great way for me to pay for my son's mother's morning out program so that I had some mommy time to do something that I was passionate about. And it paid for his tuition to go to his mother's morning out program. And that's how I really got involved with All Pets Considered. All Pets Considered has been in business since 1992. So we're coming up on our 31st anniversary. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. Super exciting. And we have now a second location, which is coming up on its fifth year anniversary. And we also have grooming in our original location and self-dog wash in our new location. I started out, like I said, as a part-time person, which quickly turned into a real deep passion. And I quickly took on the management position, which has now turned into a co-ownership position. So in 15 years, I've grown a lot in this. (laughs) And I'd like to say it's because I'm very passionate about animals from both the rescue standpoint and the store standpoint. All Pets Considered has always kind of aligned for me because they've never sold live animals. They've always been a store that supported local rescue organizations, even before my involvement. And while that's a little bit more commonplace now in 92, not. Oh, yeah. So that has always aligned with my beliefs and kind of how we work and has made my stay at All Pets Considered kind of real cohesive and filled with passion. I love that. I love that. And that's a great segue to your passion is dachshunds, right? (laughs) Many people question why anybody would be passionate about such a mean creature. Um, (laughs) They are, of course, bred to hunt badgers. So I tell people, if you were bred to hunt badgers, you'd have to be pretty tenacious too, because badgers are pretty mean. But I've done dachshund rescue for 22 years. Okay. I started my own dachshund rescue in 2019. I started my own rescue, Doxy by Proxy Rescue. And that was after doing Doxy Rescue at the national chapter. I decided to go more local. Much like what I do with All Pets Considered, I wanted my focus to be on my local area. 
adopting okay. to my local area, pulling dogs from my local area, and really having a very um, centralized local feel to what I did in rescue. Okay. So I'm curious. I, you know, I've been in rescue as well in Chicago with Chicago Canine Rescue, but we, I don't know that we used that term before having been part of a national chapter of rescue and then a local chapter of rescue. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. So the group that I was with previously, we had members all over the United because States. Because it was specific to the breed. Is that yeah, why? Okay. Yeah. And so okay. we were, we were almost home docs and rescue. It's actually defunct now because kind of the way that organization worked at the time that it started, mm-hmm. uh, which was in 2001, I think it didn't work so well anymore by the mm-hmm. time it got towards 2019 being so the net was cast so broadly mm-hmm. it was hard because you yeah transporting happened, dogs communicate I mean yeah. it'd be hard to get them across the country I would think yeah and you have adopters all over the country yeah. and that was really difficult so you know what I decided to do with my when I started my own rescue is I, I didn't want to grow outside of my own little networked yeah. area so Greensboro and Raleigh, which are about an hour apart, is my networked area. And I have vet partners in both communities that give me discounts and that we work with mm-hmm. and specialists that we work with in those communities. And we don't branch out. I've had people like beg me, please, can I foster yeah. from up in Massachusetts? No, <laughs> I am only sticking with my area. I don't put dogs on transports. All adopters have to travel to me mm-hmm. because I am that crazy foster mom that if a dog of mine got lost on a transport, six hours from here, I'd be camped out at a rest area somewhere (laughs) waiting for my dog to return. Because I, again, I'm very passionate about what I do in every aspect, especially rescue. And it's hard enough dealing with the surrenders and seeing the sad part of rescue Mm -hmm. that I take them on as my own. And when they leave my home, they're still considered my own. Mm -hmm. So if something happens to them beyond my home, I, I feel very responsible for that. Yeah, of course, of course. And how did the name Doxy by Proxy come about? It's ironic. (laughs) So in 2015, our shelter here in Guilford County got shut down. Long story short, got shut down by our Department of Agriculture. And a couple of my friends were filling in while the county was taking over and things were being reorganized. And I would go in to get the dachshunds that were there because the shelter director had been kind of hoarding animals. And there were, in the end, about 12 dachshunds that were in the shelter. And so I went in to get the dachshunds and they'd be like, well, can you take this Yorkie? Can you take this random Shih Tzu mix? Can you? And so they kept saying, well, you know, it's like a doxy by proxy because it's with you. It's kind of like a dachshund, even if it's not a dachshund. So then they started throwing cats in there and all kinds of things. So doxy by proxy came from them saying it's a dachshund because it's by proxy to me. So that's where the name came from. Oh. And I'm known for some random, you know, pit bulls wandering <laughs> my house and me finding homes for them too. So yeah. Well, we just had a cat wandering around out back and I was like, Oh, looks like we have a cat now, you know, like, you know, I mean, it'll be, you know, around okay. here, who knows there's, we live in the farmlands now. So there are a lot of cats outside around here, but I'm, I'm just worried. I'm like, oh my gosh, can my Dory and my Dante handle that cat? <laughs> <laughs> I am forever. And I've always been, I mean, even when I was a little girl, bringing home random birds, cats, uh-huh. wayward animals, or seeing them back to health. So, you know, pets have been my passion for a very long time. Clearly, clearly. Yeah. So the, no, it's, so the pet industry is a natural fit for you. 
Yeah. I mean, people used to ask me, you know, when I was a teenager, the natural question when you're a senior in high school is, well, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I always wanted to do something in the pet industry, but many years ago when I was in high school, uh, the pet industry just wasn't really on the radar. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of thought if you were going to work with pets, the only thing that you could do was work in a veterinary field. Mm-hmm. And I'm petrified of blood and needles. So that wasn't going to work out too well for me. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been a, a wonderful fit. Yes. Well, you know, so many of us get into the industry because we are truly passionate about animals, but we don't know a lot about business. And I'm curious now that you've been a longtime Pet Boss Club member, how has your either business changed or mindset about leadership or how how have you evolved for being in the Pet Boss Club? Well, I love the networking aspect of the Pet Boss Club. And while that's always been a part of who I have been, I think Pet Boss Club has given me a way to level that up sharing ideas and information. I love sharing my ideas, but I love when other people share their ideas that I can kind of take and evolve to fit what we do. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one way I also never leave a meeting from the Pet Boss Club that I don't either gain knowledge, share knowledge, or get something new. When I first joined in 2019, I was trying to figure out a way to add ordering online for mm-hmm. us without having to completely build our website out mm-hmm. uh, because I knew I would have to hire somebody to do that. I would have to hire somebody to keep up with it and it would be maddening. And it just so happens that I joined the Pet Boss Club and you guys introduced me to Etel Pet. You introduced me to Nextpaw and we had all of that up and running literally the day before the country shut down. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we were we were making you guys hustle. We were like, <laughs> if anybody's gonna survive this pandemic as a small business, it's going to be Pet Boss Club members. <laughs> and we really honestly, it was amazing. I was looking back at that timeline just last month because it literally we hit three years yeah. last month of online ordering. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, what will we do without online ordering? We take in, we had 21 deliveries yesterday. Wow. Like that's amazing. Yeah, that's great. On a routine, we usually have between 15 and 18 deliveries, but 21 is a really big day. Yeah. So our biggest day for deliveries was 27. But that it hasn't really slowed down. And that, that hustle that you put in place in the past has helped build a new kind of sales channel for your business because, you know, we can't, we can't rely on the same things working all the time. We do have to change things up and, and find new ways to serve our customers. Yeah. And I think that's the nice thing about who All Pets Considered is and kind of the gift I've been given is that from 1992, we have a lot of longtime loyal customers that have shopped with us for a lifetime. One of the, my favorite things a customer said to me one time is I've shopped with you for five Shih Tzus. <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime of five Shih Tzus. That needs to be put as a social media post or at least it's, you know, a t-shirt <laughs> and put it in quotes, you know? Yeah. And so, but you know, they said that in such a manner in which it was like, I've shopped with you so long. So I have that good basis of loyal customers, but like mm-hmm. you said, we have to keep evolving. We have to yeah. keep changing and we have to keep up with the times because I can't just bank on those loyal customers, right. What's being there. So we have that advantage to also keep evolving ourselves and keep changing. So we always have to be finding new customers. And one of the ways that we can do that is by partnering with rescues. But uh, again, you know, it's like a lot of times it doesn't work out that way. I've, you know, I've had, I'm a former store owner and doggy daycare. We've hosted 
gosh, I don't want to maybe hundreds over over the 10 years, but lots of rescue events. And sometimes the dog got adopted. Sometimes it didn't. Sometimes they became customers. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes we got so frustrated. And I know that a lot of people see this happen where the rescue that they are hosting ends up recommending to shop on Chewy or to go to PetSmart and it just irritates the hell out of the pet store. <laughs> and so this whole relationship is a little bit of a battle. But right. I want to start at the top because I know we're going to cover a lot. We're going to talk about all this stuff. So let's first start with why, you know, it's important that we find ways to collaborate with rescues or charities. I mean, it's like a constant, talk about a constant source of referrals. I yeah. mean, they're literally constantly adopting out new yeah. animals and animals that have come in with health problems, animals that have come in with skin needs, animals that need supplements, animals that really need that nutritional counseling. I mean, for lack of a better word, animals that need fixing, even behavior cases, you have dogs who are pullers, maybe need some referrals to your local trainers, that kind of stuff. So while I understand their frustrations that come with, and we'll talk about um, some of my recommendations for that, but they are a steady source of referrals. They are. Now, there are challenges that come along with it because every rescue that I personally work with, there's very few that have paid staff. So you're working with a host of volunteers and that probably is the biggest challenge. Yes. When you're working with volunteers, right? Out of a hundred percent, you can really only expect about 10%. Right. (laughs) Um, But what you cast in net and expect about 10% to be caught. Um, right. I, I like that you brought that up because I do remember that. And I see that happen in our club sometimes where someone will come in and they're like irritated that the rescue that they have, that they have as a business owner have really thought about all the marketing and really like plan this big event. They've noticed that they're not getting the mention in the rescue's email. The rescue hasn't done a social media post and they're frustrated. And I was like, and in my mind, I'm like, I guarantee you that that social media is being run by somebody who has a full-time job and is probably out actually getting, you know, taking care of the dogs at the moment. And they know they're behind on social media. And that's really kind of the last thing on their mind sometimes at some, right. with some rescues. Right. So, I mean, it really might not be on purpose. Yeah. It's like, never, I, I don't I think it's ever on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> they're... I have two kids. I have two stores. I have a rescue and our rescue usually has somewhere around the amount of 20 dogs at a time. Yeah. We specialize in medical and behavior. And so sometimes I'm just fielding emergencies. and Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, we sometimes business owners have these high expectations and it's not that we need to lower our expectations, but maybe we have to shift expectations and find a way to kind of meet in the middle or know what the, what the expectation really should be. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I would say when you set out to work with rescues, make sure to pack your patience and your determination and check your frustrations at the door. Cause it is, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me yeah. too. And you say that about Chewy right before I logged in and talking to you, I was on Facebook and a friend of mine who does rescue locally, takes a picture of what does it look like when all my dogs are out of food and big boxes from Chewy. Mm -hmm. It's like, seriously, you were just knocking at my door last week for a gift basket for your event. And that's really frustrating. So, you know, I understand that. And, and it is frustrating. It is frustrating. I don't ever think it's on purpose. I just don't think they understand how personal it feels. Yeah. Yeah. 
because it feels like a personal slight at times. I, I get that. Right. But you have to check that at the door. You do. Because, because these are sources of referrals and places that you're going to get dogs. Right. And if you choose to get wrapped up in that frustration, you could be leaving a lot of customers behind. Right. Right. It's like the only person that hurts is us. Like, you know, I always say eyes on your own paper, same with like competitors. It's like, we, we think that it's our own egos, right? We think that everybody else is like thinking about us and our lives. <laughs> and we're like, no, exactly. they just see a cute opportunity and finally something they can post on social media. So it's like, yay, let's do this. But, yeah. but yeah, so it, I think that's a great advice to not take it personally. Yeah. And it's hard to do, but yeah. it's, I'm lucky in the community that I'm in that we have a really tight network of rescues and we don't act in a lot of competition with one another. And so we actually have a posting board on social media where we have a private group where we post each other for help and that kind of stuff. And so I really, I've always tried to tried to promote in the rescue community friendly working conditions because we're all here to help each other. We're all here for the animals and all that kind of stuff. And we've all stepped up and help each other at different times. But, you know, one of the things I've done through the years is hosting social gatherings for rescuers where we just have food and drinks and incentives and freebies from my manufacturers and stuff like that, just to invite rescuers in to give them a reprieve, you know, just kind of a little bit of a social thing, no expectation, right? I'm not expecting them to bring animals for adoption. I'm not expecting them to bring just come and or even spend anything. You're just saying, Hey, I'm going to treat you. You know, you're going to yeah. get some swag. We're going to have some drinks for you. If you want to buy something great, but it's not like a push. Right. Because it's good to know each like, other. They feel a little bit more loved and a little bit less pressure. What are different ways that people can improve relationships that maybe they have either lost because of this unmet expectation or desire, or maybe they felt like, rescue has started to align with some other businesses more again, and then our own feelings are that they don't want to work with us. And maybe that's not really the case. So what are some ways that we can repair relationships? Well, every rescue that I know is underfunded. (laughs) I don't know of any rescue out there who's not begging for money. So finding creative ways to fund rescues. So one of the things that we've done at our store is a roundup roundup on a monthly basis where we invite roundup roundup. Roundup, roundup. Okay. Just roundup, roundup for rescue is what we call it. And we have a different charity partner every single month. And we have a couple of rules. It needs to be animal related. It needs to be local. And then they have some requirements if they participate. What we do is invite our customers to round up their invoice. So say their balance due is $12.58. We ask them if they'd like to round up their total for whatever our charity partner is of the month. And we put that basically in one of my accounting buckets that then gets rounded up at the end of the month and donated to that group. We have a couple of other philanthropic projects that we do, like our subscription boxes, our mm-hmm. Bonifactor and Generosity boxes. They're, a portion of those proceeds goes to these groups. And these groups have to show up at our stores. They have to promote it. And they get the opportunity to promote some of their pets on pet of the week for Mm -hmm. that month, but they raise about two or $3,000 a month. Wow. And when we first started this, it was a little slow. People weren't crazy to sign up. Now I have people fighting to get in the door. (laughs) I have people like, get me on that list. Yeah. Get you on the calendar. Yeah. Word's gotten out. So we're about a a year and a half out now on our calendar with charities. 
where we used to be repeating charities. Now we haven't repeated a charity in a year. Yeah. So you think that one way maybe is to go ahead and reach out to some of these groups who you want to reconnect with and it's not a lot of work on their end. It's going to bring you potential business and you're doing something very generous by giving real hard cash, you know, m- real money that they can use and repurpose however they want, even if they go shop on Chewy with it. <laughs> exactly. well, it is. It's like the vast majority of the money that you're giving, right? I'm giving two or $3,000 to yeah. these groups, but most of that money is from my customers. Yeah. And most of it's likely going to go to medical care and needs too, yeah. right? I mean, a lot of the the food and stuff they get is already donated sometimes. So yeah. Well, and so what I try to do was kind of give them that money and stay in a friendly space with them, but not get involved with the politics of it or any, I don't put any kind of boundaries on what the money can be used for. This is their money. Yeah. yeah. But I see that. And and you're right. That is your customers have rounded up and donated it. So it feels less like it's hitting your bank account. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it hits mine. Yeah. But it's a huge, I mean, it really two to $3,000. I think last year when we counted out between all of the different charity things we did, we'd raised over $30,000. So wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So are there any mistakes that you feel like pet pros are making? I think it's the biggest mistake people make is getting frustrated and hurt feelings and not seeing that at the door. And I think it's hard to do. And I feel like I can say this because I'm in the trenches. Yeah are not the easiest people to work with sometimes mm-hmm. they're passionate people they can sometimes be a little crazy and kooky animal people in general can be a little crazy yeah. but the hard thing is i think sometimes the politics get pretty thick with rescues there can be infighting there can be rumor mill there can be a lot of crazy things that happen and i would really urge retailers to stay above and out of that mm-hmm. even though i am in the rescue trenches there was a rescuer last year who had a bit of an emergency here locally, had too many dogs at her house. She had a medical emergency, animal control came, got involved. Many of us who knew her did not know she had that many animals at home, got involved, helped get the animals outsourced to other reputable rescues, took care of the situation and helped get her back on her feet. There were some rescuers who were looking to dive in and attack her and this, that, and the other for having too many animals in her home and this, that, and the other. But the reality is I kind of had to find my way out of that really quickly. I just stayed friends with everybody and Mm -hmm. stayed out of the politics of it all because all of them are my potential customers. (laughs) I'm so careful about those political boundaries. And same thing happens with our shelter. A lot of times if rescuers are wanting to pick a fight with the shelter, I just kind of politely find my way out of it because I've got to stay on a friendly level with everybody. Yeah. You got to see the big picture here. Yeah. So if someone hasn't worked with a rescue at all, like we have a lot of new people coming into the pet industry because it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) If someone hasn't worked with a rescue yet, what's one thing that they can do to get started? So one of my favorite things is at the Astro Loyalty Program has this adoption bundle super easy, very low cost, you know, everything you get reimbursed for, right? So if a customer comes in and gets an adoption bundle, you put it through Astro and Astro gives you credit for everything that they get. And they can get like $50 worth of free product. So we made up these cards through Vistaprint. I had one of my designers make up these promotional cards And we hand those out with little goodie bags to rescue groups to hand to their adopters because who doesn't love $50 worth of free stuff for their pet? Mm -hmm. 
it's one of the easiest ways, you know, just ask rescue groups to hand that out. Yeah. And so for those of you who are unfamiliar with Astro, Astro Loyalty does a lot of different things and we will link to them and this adoption bundle that they have for you on the show notes of this podcast episode. So make sure to go check those out. If that sounds like something you'd want to tap into. Yeah. I mean, and if you don't have Astro or you're not interested or can't afford it, although it's pretty inexpensive, (laughs) but if you don't have it and you wanted to do something like that, you could still very easily make goodie bags with incentive coupons that you Mm -hmm. give to rescue groups to give to their adopters. Yeah. All right. So if you are already in business and you are already working with rescues for events to drive traffic and things might be seeming like they're going really great because we do have a lot of seasoned, amazing pet pros who listen to this podcast as well and follow us on YouTube or in our free Facebook group or in the pet boss club. What's a tip that you have for them where they can like really up-level it? Well, uh, one of the things that we do on an annual basis, we give away about 300 to 350 donation gift baskets. Wait a second. You give away 300 or more gift baskets? Yeah. Gift baskets. <laughs> Whoa. And it's literally like the easiest thing. I wish I had one right here to show to you, but I don't have it right now. But it is literally this, it is the simplest thing. Although maybe I shouldn't share this trick because then I won't have as much access. <laughs> but we use flats from canned food. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, the cardboard. I used yep. to go to Goodwill and get baskets and stuff. Yeah. But that just kind of seems silly when we yeah. have those flats. And okay. so we use the flats and then we use good old crinkle paper in our logo colors. Okay. We use product that we're writing off. If I have a one-off toy that didn't sell or I'm redesigning a wall and these toys aren't selling well, if I bought gifts and they're not selling well and I need to write them off, I will write my vendors and ask them to send me free stuff. Mm-hmm. I will write my distributors and ask them to send me free stuff. And this is why, right, the networking component is so important on that level because people know I do this and will now just send me a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. You get samples from your distribution reps, mm-hmm. all kinds of fun yeah, things they want to leave with you, but you know, you're probably not going to bring or you don't end up bringing it in, but you got to have a free sample of it. Yeah. Yeah. Or we get swag printed, you know, mm-hmm. bag holders, things like that. And I ask our vendors for swag. And so we make these gift baskets and usually the value is anywhere from 60 to $70 retail value and any charity event. If they contact us, we give them a basket. Only requirements, they have to be local and they have to pick it up. I don't ship them and they can't be outside of our local area because what point is that? So that's really my only requirement. And it doesn't even have to be an animal related charity, right? Or event. Mm -hmm. It can be a fundraiser for cancer treatment. So so somebody who's taking one, like leveling up, like, so they might be already giving baskets, but maybe not at the, that level of volume that you are. So what you're saying is you've, you've kind of systematized this, made it easy. Are these like prepped and ready to go ahead of time? Like, do you always have like 10 sitting there off to the side or? Yeah. So I try, and we're actually in the process of switching over to a new employee handling these, but I like to have them kind of on hand, but mm-hmm. there are periods of time like spring and fall when the events are a lot more plentiful. And so sometimes there's a bit of a waiting period of time, but yeah, I mean, we do like to prep and yeah, have them get them ahead of time baskets, cat baskets. And then, so there, but the frustration of giving baskets is like, what do people actually, does it drive business in? Like, you know, there's a lot of minds and stuff around that, that it does. let that go. Mm-hmm. I will tell you why I have had people come back to me and say, I've been to such and such charity events and 
every event I go to, I see a basket from you guys. Basket. So it's that repetition. It's of the repetition. your brand. Yeah. And it's the philanthropic. Look at how much these people are giving to my community. Mm. And they said, I have decided to come shop with you exclusively because every event I go to, you have a basket. You're there. there. Yeah. Your presence. I'm, I'm going to come support you. And honestly, I mean, I'm giving a basket that what cost me maybe $10. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're talking about a radio commercial, I mean, how much do those cost? Yeah. That's like 25 to $30, even for the midnight running, you know? So uh-huh. if you're Talking about a source of advertising, it's the best source of advertising because it really didn't cost you much at all. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So do you have a process for the donation requests? Yes. If somebody wants something, they have to request it an email and then I send it to our, our person who coordinates that. Okay. Now donation requests, as far as food and rescue donation type things, we have a different process for that. I have a part-time employee who's kind of my rescue point of contact. Mm-hmm. She actually is one of my foster homes too. She keeps up communication with all of our rescue groups mm-hmm. and she emails them when we have donations on our donation shelf to come and pick up. And they're allowed to pick up on Mondays and Wednesdays because we don't have shipments on those days. And she'll email them and tell them what we have in donations. Mm-hmm. And we try to rotate so that you're not always inviting the same groups. And then if someone, you know, was just coming in for their school's baseball team fundraiser and hands you a flyer, what's the process there? So if they're just wanting like a sponsorship, it's funny. I just had a little boy come in and ask me for a sponsorship. Generally, those kind of sponsorships, if I'm putting money on it, unless it's a big, like huge event, they have to be customers. Mm -hmm. And this little boy and his family were customers. And he came in and asked me, he was probably six years old and went through the whole spiel and told me, I I did sponsor his team. And those, they really have to kind of be a more personal level. I have to, you know, you're going to shop with me, then I'll, I'll sponsor what you're doing. Right. Exactly. All right. So with the time that we have left, I really would love to just kind of go through some of, because you've already just shared actually a ton of fantastic ideas with our community here, but I want to hear more about other successful events or programs that you haven't covered yet. If there are some that have really helped you. You know, I think from the rescue standpoint, it helps to have some really solid events that you do on an annual basis to support. And so annually we do what's called Adopt-a-Palooza. This Adopt-a-Palooza is for your rescue. And you're saying to have some annual events for your rescue, right? Yeah, for, for rescues. Yeah. For re- so for the community of rescues, not for my rescue in particular, but for the rescue. So, got it. So you're saying as a, as a pet business, mm-hmm. they should host an annual event for all rescues. Yes. Got it. I'm tracking with you now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have ours called Adopt-a-Palooza and it's in May. It's on Mother's Day weekend. And we've done this annually. I think the only year we skipped was maybe 2020. I think we did do it in 2021 because it's mostly an outdoor event out in front of our store. The only people that are inside are our cat rescues and that we put everybody else outside. We have kind of a big open space on sidewalk in front because we're in a strip mall. And so we have a lot of space for rescues to set up. And we usually have about 12 rescue organizations attend. 
and we do billboards, we do radio advertising, we um, do all kinds of paid social media for it and do a lot of lead up mm-hmm. uh, to invite people out to come and adopt pets. So you're spending money, you have a you know a budget for this, you're investing in this event. So what's the ROI for you on this? Like, how do you, how does that translate for you? How do you know if that's a successful event for you to be doing? Well, again, you have people who are specifically hearing about an adoption fair and coming to your store to adopt their pet. Mm-hmm. You have a real high chance of them walking into your store and then purchasing products. Mm-hmm. I also encourage outside of this event, I should say, rescues to do meet and greets at our store. Mm-hmm. Because we have a room at our newer location, our what we call our Sedgefield location. We have a community room where they can bring their adopters and do meet and greets. And we heavily encourage rescues to utilize that. Again, mm-hmm. the adopters here, they're leaving with a new pet. What's the likelihood that they're going to leave your store and go to Target or Walmart or wherever if they're standing in a store that has everything they need? Right. You know, even if they do go somewhere else, these customers have so many places to shop these days. We can't get hung up and control that either, <laughs> really any right. level, right? But what I really love here and what I want to emphasize for our listeners is that we have to be finding new customers. It's called lead acquisition, right? We've got to be driving that traffic and we can't sit and hope that people are going to find our businesses. We can't sit and hope that the posting that we're doing on social media is actually going to show up in anybody's feed. You do have to pay to market your business. And I think that's really hard. I see that a lot, that where a lot of small businesses will run out of cash to getting their business started up and they hadn't thought about how much they want to spend every month on their marketing. And so that's why I think that it's interesting that you are hosting this adoption event and investing your money into the advertising to market these rescues, but really it's marketing this event and rescues but I love that you're doing it because this is this is your ideal customer. You are literally creating an event that is going to attract your ideal customer. People will already have pets that are looking for second pets. Some people will be finding their pets. So you're creating your marketplace too. And it's closer and kind of in your backyard in a sense, in your neighborhood uh, versus going across town or to the suburbs or to a whole other city to participate. Because that's even harder. You know, you might spend $500 yeah. to have a booth at one of those events and what are the odds of you seeing somebody drive the 20, 30 minutes to your business? Right. Not and, like I mean, of course we do some of that stuff too. We go yeah. to restaurants. Yeah. Like yeah. But I mean, having it at your store where people yeah. can literally walk in the doors. And I do think on some level, the other benefit, again, like I was kind of making um, reference to when we were talking about the donation gift baskets that we give. It goes back to us always having our eye on our community. Yeah. And I kind of feel like when I always have my communities back, then they're going to have mine. And Mm, I like that. I like that. When I have my communities back, they're going to have mine. And granted, there's going to be your stray situations where that doesn't happen. But overall, when I have my community in my eye, they're going to have me in theirs. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I'm doing this kind of event, the Adopt-A-Palooza event, it's another platform of also advertising the fact that we are about our community and we are trying to help our community of animals. So we're constantly looking for ways to do that. All right. So what other event do you want to share with us? Well, it's kind of not an event. Okay. But we foster small animals at our store. Okay. So what does that mean? 
right? So we partner with a local rescue organization, not mine, that rescues everything from mice to horses. And so we foster bunnies, guinea pigs. We haven't really gotten into the reptiles, but we usually mm-hmm. just do small furry critters. At our Sedgefield location, they serve as foster pets in our store. We showcase them to potential adopters, and it has helped grow our small animal section 50%. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's tremendous. It's not really an event as it's an yeah. everything. So prom- like, well, it's kind of like a promotion in a sense, I guess. Yeah. We provide the food for these animals. Mm-hmm. We take care of them. Everything falls to our staff to clean the kennels and all that kind of stuff. We usually mm-hmm. only have two or three at a time. Yeah, And it's been tremendous for us in the small animal realm because our name is all pets considered. And I'll tell you the number one thing we have is, well, you're not considering my snake because we don't carry reptile or, you know, my random saltwater tank fish, you know, and we, the truth is we really consider all of those animals we and pets. We just can't cover products for everything. So we do dog, cat and small animal, but our small animal was really dwindling there for a while pet ownership of small animals had gone down and everything, but doing this program has really given new wings to that whole program. It it has tremendously increased our sales and the rescue organization handles all the adoption stuff. We stay out of that. Allison running a business is really hard. I know that you know that. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is hard on the heart. Uh, It takes a lot out of you and it, you know, stretches all of us really, really thin. And here you've got this rescue, you've got multiple locations, you have a family. So how do you balance it all, if that's even possible? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm the best at that. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, I'm probably a terrible balancer. In fact, as I was kind of thinking through this, I was like, you know, I probably do like 85% for each thing. Um, I probably don't dedicate myself fully to any one thing. I just kind of feel like if I get a passing grade, then we're they're good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm helping a lot in every aspect. If I do 85%, then I'm passing. And there are times that my store gets more of me. There are times that my rescue might get more of me or times that my family might get more of me. But recognizing that that's the ebb and flow, yeah. I don't punish myself for that when those things happen and recognize that's kind of the natural thing. But I am the kind of person that bounces constantly. If I'm I'm not here at the store. When I go home, I unload the dishwasher, I clean dinner, you know, cook dinner, clean dinner, load the dishwasher, do laundry. I don't watch TV much at all. I really don't go see movies. I don't sit still long enough to really read a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah. Do you ever get sucked into your phone on games and things like that? A little bit every now and again, like I play certain things. I play Wordle every day, stuff like that, but I don't really sit still for very long. So all of this keeps me busy, but I think if I wasn't this busy, I wouldn't know what to do. I love, I think that what's most impressive is that you're not going to beat yourself up for it. You know, that you're doing a great job in these areas and you're being as present as possible and you're just still going to give yourself some grace. So that 85% passing is fantastic. (laughs) Well, and I'm really big on people giving grace and giving grace (laughs) all the time is there's some grace. Like we're not all perfect a hundred percent of the time and that's okay. We're all doing the best we can and for a good cause. So grace is an amazing thing for sure. So as we wrap up, because this has just been a fantastic, a fantastic episode, Allison, I'm so, so glad that we had you here. 
I love to ask my guests a question, you know, famously named after the title of this podcast, <laughs> but what does bossing your business mean to you? I would say leading by example and directing the ship in a way that I think supports us all, meaning my staff, my family, my rescue. And I don't just mean, when I say support, I don't just mean financially. Of course, financially does help. Nobody in my rescue benefits financially, but a measure of satisfaction. When I say that we all kind of, at the end of the day, walk away with a full soul and feel like we've made the difference in the lives of our customers. And so I like to feel like I'm leading with that example. So I feel like that's kind of what bossing this business feels like to me, is that if we, I have a staff full of individuals who feel satisfied at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. and not just me feeling satisfied at the end of the day, but everybody. Yeah. Like Um, leading through service. Yeah. And I, I mean, we have a lot of longtime employees. I have 31 employees and I think out of 31, only 11 of those are newer. And of those 11, they've been with me almost a year. So oh, that's great. Yeah. We have a long time, long time staff. And that is what makes this so successful. Well, I am so, like I said, so glad you were here today to share all those, that wisdom with us. And I feel like our Pet Boss Club members are just so fortunate to also have you in the membership because of how much you share and participate and support the community there as well. So I know for our listeners, gosh, if you guys are not in the Pet Boss Club, you need to join because <laughs> absolutely. I, and I tell that to every you know store I talk to anybody, I am like, you have got to join the Pet Boss Club because it's amazing. And whenever I'm feeling like I don't have direction or I've kind of lost my way a little bit, you know, I go back to post something on the Pet Boss Club or join in on a webinar or something like that. And I always get motivation. Yeah. Just get you realigned. So if you're interested in joining or learning more, just visit petbossclub.com. All right, Allison, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I will let you get back to this amazing work that you're doing at All Pets Considered and with Doxy by Proxy. Well, thank you. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Wow, we surpassed 75,000 downloads of this podcast. I just can't believe it. So thank you so much for tuning in every week and for being part of the show. It would mean the world to me if we got to 80,000. Could you imagine? And then, oh my gosh, all the way to 100,000? My mind would be blown. So to do that, I need your help though. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast in case you haven't done that. Plus, I would love for you to tell other pet professionals about the amazing resources and ideas and strategies and tips and stories that myself and our clients and the people that we feature bring to you every single week, okay? So recommend this show to your fellow pet industry professionals. Have them visit petboss.com forward slash podcast, and they'll find all the old episodes and exactly how to connect with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It really means so much to me that you choose this podcast as part of your business education and journey here in the pet industry. Thank you.